everybody to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me as always, my co-host is Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Quarantine Ghost, Haunting the Chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Dual Demonology is in the house with us. That is Carl Johnson, demonologist, and James Anito, also a demonologist, but also a deacon in the uh, Catholic Church. They are both with us tonight. We've had them both on the show previously, but they have teamed up here over, what is it, guys, the past year? And um, so tell us, what exactly is Dual Demonology? What have you guys been up to here? Well, we're very happy to be on your show and have this opportunity to share that with you, that uh, information. We formed Duo Demonology 14 months ago, and it is uh, a mission to legitimize demonology. Uh, people that mostly have a poor grasp of what demonology means, if they're interested in the topic, uh, people interpret that as anything from, you know, like uh, studying demons to uh, invoking demons or, you know, like crusading against demons. And it, it needn't be any of that. Uh, we are trying to to encapsulate demonology and uh, promote it as a legitimate avenue of study and research. It has that name because we can't think of a better one right now. It, it is pretty descriptive of what we do. I define demonology as the systematic study of the cultural traditions and lore of wicked spirits. So it's studying the you know the bad spirits and uh, of course. There is a basis in reality for uh, these evil spirits. And again, we lack the clinical terminology, the nomenclature. We say devils, demons, spirits, you know, because that's what we have to work for with, and that's what people will understand. That's our mission with it. And uh, we are applied demonologists. That simply means that we will go out to the field and address some situations which are brought to our attention. So it's not just scholastic. It's not just academic. Uh, sometimes we'll do the hands-on. And uh, we study the psychology behind these situations that we encounter and, and try to do a very, uh, very analytic and objective analysis, you know, a very objective analysis of situations we run into. So we're a little bit different when it comes to that. We're not just running in brandishing crosses yeah. and, you know, telling the, the wicked spirits <laughs> to depart. Yeah, be gone, you evil. Yeah, it's, it's not John Constantine or Impalas and saw yeah. shotguns either, you know? Oh, you don't have the crossbow <laughs> that shoots out holy water or whatever that no, is, right? No, no, no. 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 make a nice graphic, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. make a nice graphic over Nerf guns with uh, Nerf guns and squirt guns with holy water. Yeah. There you go. Oh, like, uh, how did this start? Uh, tell us, uh, what, you know, what, what brought this on? When did you first start feeling this disassociation? What was, you know, like, it's more along those lines. You know, a questionnaire will precede our investigation. Yeah. Now, how did you two, I mean, you guys have known each other for a while, but how did you guys come to the, um, the realization that you should be working together and form this pact like this? Because this is really, you know, it, you're a powerful duel, I think. Yeah, well, I think we're effective. You know, we're you know we're learning as we go along, of course. Almost definitely. Uh, you know, definitely to say, duo like Carl says once in a while, uh, it's my brainchild. But in some form of fashion, it really started with working with Carl ten years ago. Uh, I was really grateful to be tech manager of a group called Beyond the Veil Paranormal, which was Carl Johnson and uh, Dina Palazzini, with a few other members based out of Rhode Island, and we had been able to work together with that 
uh, in that format. And I was always interested in theology, religion, anthropology. It's a lot of different studies of the human mind, human culture, of course, uh, human beliefs and religion. All those, all, all those disciplines yeah. interrelate. So I was always interested in demonology. You know, one of the biggest fascinations I had with Carl uh, was when he was on the first two uh, two seasons of Ghost Hunters, and you know, for the first time, you know, beside like uh, Ed Warren and people that you really did not know of unless you really delved deep into the aspects of the paranormalist that existed. But Carl and Keith were go- deep knowledge is presented on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters, right. you know, which was the biggest phenomenon you know you had scariest places on earth and other things that try to attribute a lot of people forget about scariest places on earth yeah you had a lot of uh (laughs) attributes uh to certain aspects of the investigations but it wasn't into this scheme of what ghost hunters were trying to do so seeing the demonologists on there like it kind of intrigued me so i had films not love so it's a bad word to say but i fell in kind of in love with the concept of demonology because you know i read demonology by king james i i was very well versed in very early 1561 so in, in some form of fashion when i got to meet carl and we actually thought okay this could be a, a good a good synergy between myself and working with Beyond the Bell Paranormal, I started picking up things with Carl, asking him questions. He in some form entered a mentor role to me, still is my mentor to this day. You know, well, thank you. I, I, I work to me, we're not on equal ground. He's far still above me. Uh, and knowledge and concept and experience. and more and more birthdays too. And more birthdays, yeah. Yeah. Still look like a good fellow though, but look, good you. looking fellow, but there's only one or two birthdays. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it really kind of, in, it, I was enthralled, kind of threw me into uh, getting involved with demonology. And then when, of course, life happens and Carl and I separate for a little bit in time without talking. Just circumstantial. circumstantial. It wasn't any falling out. It just, you know. I was busy. He was busy. I started a family. Um, just certain different things that, uh, that occurred in life. And uh, Carl and I and Keith spoke. Uh, Johnson, yes spoke at Ocean State Paracon um, together on a demonology panel. And that was a good panel. Thank you. Um, and something kind of like popped up in my head saying, well, Carl and I go way back and nothing against Keith. I, I respect Keith. A uh, funny story about Keith is I used to be a Oh, well, now that he's not here, you can tell him. I'm going to. I was an electronics department. Yeah, I'm going to text him right now. <laughs> yeah, I think Keith might be tuning in. Yeah. Also. But I was the electronics department manager at Walmart, and Keith used to always come in and look at. I, I seen him look at our recorders, and I was like, "That's Keith Johnson." I just remember it was just a just a face to remember, especially demonologists. Like I said, I became enamored and uh, and Carl and Keith and what they they did and what they presented. So I knew Keith from seeing him. I, so every time we'd go into that Walmart, it was, it was pretty much. You know, often thing Walmart. Everybody gets stuff from Walmart, right? Well, we all gotta go to so, Walmart sometime. <laughs> I always pick his brain. We'd always talk about recorders. He asked my opinion about recorders and like, uh, um, you know, like speeds and stuff like that, and what they could read. And so we always got in conversation. And so nothing against Keith, but Carl and I had this uh, kind of background synergy. We worked together uh, in, a, in a personal life setting, 
and I knew his background. So I said, I said, okay, everybody looks at demonology as a joke. Hell, I've been in, involved when I was a, kind of a scary joke, but a joke. Yeah, and, you know. But I was looked at it in a, in a way I was involved with it as a kid. You know, I got involved at my, in my in early, early twenties. So, and everybody thought I was a joke, you know, and it's not, it was not something about myself, but I took all demonology in a whole and I said, okay, Carl has that motivation. He's a leader. He's, you know, he's not willing to, um, forego somebody telling him that this can't happen. I know Carl's uh, mindset and I know my mindset. And I said, I want demonology to change. I know Carl does too in, in our talks before in the past, and we want to put it out of the uh, confines of yeah. demons. The superstition, the yeah. you know, shrouded with cobwebs, that medieval thinking. Yeah, yeah. what is it about demonology that you, you want to change? The people's perception of what that really is? Like, you know, according, I guess a lot of people these days are looking at pop culture, films, television yeah. as to this is what demonology is. So what are you looking to, to change about it? That monochromatic quality that is just like, you know, you go in and, you know, punch out the demons and, you know, like you save the day. It's far more complicated than that. And that everything's demons too, you know? Like, well, yeah, there is a preponderance to think of a spirit as inconvenient. Right. It has to be demonic. It's just sometimes annoying and a little scary. Yeah, and even though there's no licensure technically with what we do, like, yeah, you can become a theologian. You can go to school for theology. You can become clergy get some aspect of it outside of the lay person, like a lay demonologist like Carl would be, like outside of that realm and go that and that. But some, sometimes people don't want to go that route. They're, they're comfortable in the study, comfortable in history, the culture, just like Carl is, you know, he's comfortable in what he does. So there's different confines of it, but that doesn't mean that there can't be a scientific nature to it. There can't be... Uh, a method and an ideology where it is centered on a neutral idea that, yeah, demons could exist, but it's not always the supernatural, the preternatural, and that there's other forms of nature. It's neuroscience, uh, quantum physics. These are all things that we try to look at and attempt to. It's a blending of, you know, multifaceted disciplines, making them work together. And the term demonology, of course, it has value because it's gripping. It's an attention getter. Yeah. You know, it's like we have, you know, the paranormal, we have the EVP specialist here, you know, the, the past life regression, and the demonology booth is over there. Whoa, demonology. Whoa, <laughs> why, do you guys, uh, how do you let, why do you let them in here? What do they got? Yeah, demons yeah. sell. This is true. Yeah. In fact, it was, in a very real sense, it was the demons that brought James and me together. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't sound too copacetic, but I was involved in a case that was adjudicated to be demonic. You know, that's what we, we determined it was demonic in origin. Yeah, in Orange, and, Mass. Yeah, in Orange, Massachusetts, near the border of Vermont. And although James was not directly involved in that investigation at that time, he knew the people who were Rhode Island Paranormal Society, RIPS. And that's how he found out that I was involved in that case, you know, through, uh, through Andre. Yeah, Andre, who, who Shane. made a team afterwards because yeah. of were falling out. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. They divide us, you know. Especially after it's almost like, like my, mitosis. These, you know, yeah. groups beget groups, beget groups, you know, as they divide, and you have a lot of them out there, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But anyway, James found out, you know, that I was, uh, you know, participating quite directly in this investigation, pretty much leading it, and uh, that's when he uh, found out where I was and we got in touch. Yeah. 
And it was very shortly after that, right on the cusp of that investigation, that, joined, that James joined our team, Beyond the Veil Paranormal, founded by Dina Palazzini. And he became our tech ma uh, manager, and James and I hit it off right away. Yeah, and you know, the, the crazy thing is to think about it too, is like, well, I was a tech manager, you know, we, I think a lot of people just gather roles for certain reasons, but in uh, different concepts, but like to see where I am in the theology day, like I, I don't even know how you thought about it now, especially if you look at it. Yeah. When you were 18 years old, 20 years old, you start being titled this. Like vaguely remember, <laughs> yeah. But like being the uh, theologian, like being a deacon of the Catholic Church and then being a demonologist, like thoroughly, even though I do have a career, but like when I was. You don't make money from demonology? No, I really don't. <laughs> we'll but figure that. But when I was involved with Carl, I was, uh, you know, I was going to school for computer programming and computer uh, game design, and I went to school for computer networking. So it's like I don't even do that anymore because a big shift in getting involved with this scenario just it, it's just crazy how things change. Yes, when James started out with our team Beyond the Veil Paranormal, it was more like you know I'd have the back of the computer off, and I say, listen, I've removed this panel. This is just not coming on. You know, I don't, I've tried everything I know. You know, I, I, I clean the heads and it's just, you know, and I put it back together myself and it's not coming on. Try plugging it in. <laughs> you gotta plug that in and then you gotta attach it to the computer. Yeah. Oh, oh well, I was about to do that. Yeah, that, I know what you're saying. See, I always remember when we were working with Oracle Paranormal Society. Oracle, well, yes. We, we were doing that house and we had a wire, and he just bought a new Wi Fi DVR setup. Yeah. And they couldn't get it to work. And I came and saved the day and got that thing running. I just remember that. I yeah. always do. That's a good memory. That was, that was, that was a good investigation. <laughs> Victoria, Victoria, I want to toss it to you real quick because you haven't uh, had a chance to really ask anything. So I'm just enjoying just enjoying the conversation. <laughs> okay, um, your adventures sound really exciting. So when's the graphic novel going to come out? Because I would really get into that. You mean one of those black and white adult comic books? Of yeah. Well, not the adult ones, not the boom chicky wow wow. You know. Oh, oh God. You know. <laughs> No, I just mean like the 300 and Sin City. Yes, you know, yes, that, like that. You look good in a Frank Miller. Frank Miller's art, yeah, he was a pioneer in that. Yeah, yeah, he re pretty much revised and revamped the Batman concept, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, but you, you look good in one of those line drawings, those good drawings, you know, like half in shadow. Yeah, um, just I can, I can see you this. Can <laughs> I have more to work with because I have many more wrinkles, so you could like really do, you know, I'd be this, you know, mentor figure, you know, like looking from, you know, above. I'd be Robin. I'd, I'd have my green, my green. Uh, Good, make yourself that much younger. Yeah. God, yeah, yeah. You can climb faster. Yeah, yeah. that would be That'd awesome. Y'all should really do that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we 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 had funny talk about graphic novels. We we were on, which was out of the norm for us, but it was a really great interview. We were on the hip hop rap. Uh, well, I gotta say that was your creation. Yeah, but still, interesting. Like, that, I went along with it. It was out of the norm, but we actually did a rap for that. It was funny. It was, it was good. It was, it was great. Oh, oh, I saw that. I saw that. That was pretty cute. <laughs> so we try to have fun. You know, it's serious. It's serious, but in that end of the day, uh, you can be serious and love what you do, but you can also have fun, have fun with it. Well, we're working with people, of course. We're serious, but. Sometimes the best medicine within those situations is laughter. And, it is. and most of the time, Carl and I are making those people laugh because this, some of the stuff we say, it just. It, it, Earlier this year, we were giving a presentation and uh, yeah. uh, it was Midwinter Parafest. And 
Rochester, New York. And this just was, you know, just on the cusp of the COVID crunch. So we had to lay low for a while and still are somewhat. But uh, I remember our lecture, not to boast, but we were the, you know, the attended one, yeah. best attended. We were out there for an hour and a half. Nobody budged, nobody left. Yeah. And, and uh, at the end, I said, now, you notice we're, we're funny. We're funny guys. I said, you know, every lecture is different. Every presentation is going to differ from the, from the next. You know, sometimes we're just sad. And you leave saying, those guys, are, those guys are sad, you know? But we're just very funny today, you know? And it was just, so you never know what you're going to get yeah, with yeah. us, you know? We work the room. There you go. It's you so do, much easier you to well. learn. Yeah, yeah. You, yes. you can learn and teach so much easier when it's lighthearted and still serious, but, you know. Oh, definitely. Mm. You know, like I said, laugh, laughter is key. You know, like, I think with what we deal with, and not just us, but a lot of other people deal with, but, you know, we are cold into those situations more. If people are living in their house or if, it, if it's a business, you know, the, it's a letting them affect their personal life, their social mm -hmm. life. So in that form, you know, some of the best things you can do instead of coming in there stern and you got a demon, let me, let me remove this demon from Actually, your you house. Actually, you do that pretty well, man. Um, <laughs> why don't you keep that? Why don't you keep that next time we're in a case? But sometimes it's just to get them off that matter and give them good laughter and good nature and make them feel like mm. they care and that you do care of course at the end of the day but you know sometimes you can if somebody's sad in their house we're going to show we're human beings they're not we're not at that great distance that barrier between us you remember mash the motion picture and then the uh, the tv series yeah. you know they had that gallows humor that was their tightrope over life and tragedy you know, sometimes you just kind of have to laugh at yourself and yeah. you know realize I'm a little detached from this. I can still crack a joke while this is going yeah. on. You know? Yeah, I was at an event this weekend and somewhere down the hall, they heard someone scream, get out. And so those people were scared and I looked at my friend and I went, huh, wasn't expecting that, you know? And, and yeah. you know, it's just like, well, what do you expect? You sometimes know? it breaks the ice. It does, you know, yeah. I'm like, huh, look at that. That ball's rolling down the hall. <laughs> now, if I may ask one thing, and then I'll behave for the rest of the no. um We have a, a couple of listeners. One of them may or may not be uh, accessible because she's she's studying. She's taking a course. It's by the uh, J.B. Ryan Institute, and um, you know it, it is a comprehensive course. It's it's university level. So she may be still studying for that or exhausted from her studies. Elise Jamarco Carlson may be listening. If she is, she was down there in the chat. Okay, maybe if we can somehow invoke her, if we could bring her forth, if she wants to put her image on, or if she just wants to say hello, however she wants to do it. <laughs> I don't mean to commandeer, but I know she's going to be going to bed before too late. So if she wants to come on with the next ten or fifteen, if you will forgive me for that, Mike, you know. Oh, you're forgiven, of course. <laughs> Thank you. We may be able to invoke the shade of Elise. All right. Yes, and for people that don't know who Elise is, because uh, Carl clearly brought her up, and she's a great person. You can't uh, get away from it now. No, I can't. Um, she is the president of the Johnson Historical Society, so she is an historian. And one of the great things, too, is she manages th these two buffoons, uh, because we double book everything if it wasn't for her. Yes, she's the manager of Duo Demonology. Yes. And she also is the director of Panorama Paranormal. It's a team of two. Yeah, I've, I've kind of learned that, Carl, anytime that you and I have done something together, just, I copy her in on the messages. <laughs> it's, just, it's better, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just to make sure everything's coordinated properly. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
nine fifty now. You know, it's just like, right. like you know, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But Carl, <laughs> we both need it. We both need it. We, you know, we have, uh, you know, everybody does. We and so we benefit schedules. Yeah. So we benefit. We benefit from Elise's yeah. organization. Organization. Organizational skills. Organizational skills. Sound like she's the terrific researcher. We, we do have some response from Elise. She said, not tonight. And oh, by the way, as far as uh, when it comes to invoking, she's not a spirit. <laughs> well, she's drinking spirits, though. Yeah, she may be. I don't know. She may be not. What Elise is, is a realist. And my, Mike and I were touching on that a month and a half ago. Uh, skeptic, I think, is a loaded term. It's good to be somewhat skeptical and detached, but uh, in, in, even in the context of a paranormal investigation, but Elise would be best defined as a realist. That doesn't mean that she's saying, I'm too smart to be fooled by anything. I don't believe it. I'm discrediting everything. It, it means that she takes an objective assessment. She, she evaluates. She looks at all angles. And she is known as something of a party pooper. Yeah. Because she is the one who's, you know, like, you see that? You see that face? You see this? You know, or, you know why is the light the light's going down? Now it's coming back up. Yeah. Well, urea status loose or something, you know. <laughs> All right, you know. Well, that's a mirror you're seeing a reflection in. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh darn. Yeah. But we need someone like that. But she's not, you know, adamant to, you know, like ruin things for people. She will just give a very grounded evaluation of something. We're, we're like that too, though. But we're a lot. We're, we're of course a little bit more jump at it and jump at it. You know, like, what do we got here? You know. What do we got? Yeah. 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 But, you know, there are some things at least we'll exceed. There are some things you just can't explain away logically, empirically, yeah. you know. So and that's what makes it worthwhile. Sometimes yeah. you are just left with a mystery. And if it's at a classical or an adamant skeptic, and again, I don't want to, you know, de- deter anybody who takes a skeptical approach. But if it's somebody who's a diehard skeptic, they will always get in the last word in a discussion or a debate. Even if that last phrase is, well... Oh, well, the last word to me. Well, yeah, well, 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 well. That's to show you haven't fooled me, you know, but that's not Elise. Yeah, we just lost uh, a great skeptic. I know some people. Oh, yes. But we lost Mr. The Amazing James Randi, which some people love him, some people hate him. But unfortunately, he proved a lot of people wrong and was able to prove why. So, but people wait for that, of course. But. You know, I, I remember Barbara Walters, the Barbara Walters. That, of course, I was not alive then, but I watched it much later. But the guy that was a, had psychic abilities. I watched him as good on alive. Oh, Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller. Yuri yeah. Geller and his magic, yeah. yeah. And James Randi just pooped on him and, <laughs> and bent the spoon on Barbara Walters. And Barbara Walters was like, ah, how'd you do that? Yeah. You, you tell me really how you bent a metal spoon in your two hands. Yeah. And James Randy's work was uh, valuable. He started off as a stage yeah. magician. He was the uh, the amazing Randy, yeah. you know. And of course, he was so virulent, yeah. and yeah, and uh, you know, so determined to debunk yeah. all this. In fact, like in, Harry Houdini. in his first book, he concludes by saying, "Parapsychology is a, a farce and a fraud." Yeah. To quote him, and uh, well, then sometimes that was borne out. Uh, I think you need your Randy's. You need, need people to take that almost rabid yeah. stance against uh, trickery and, and wishful thinking, you know, but he was valuable for that, you know, and uh, he's like a modern day, Harry Houdini, terrific entertainer, yep. but he always said he was an illusionist and he went on a crusade against fraudulent mediums, I, well known. Well, I look, I look at it like this and I, if you're going to have anybody to, to try to look into that stuff, you would have somebody that fools, because 
you know, people do believe in magic in some capacity where it is like invoking, but like if somebody that can make you believe that this happened in a certain way through sleight of hand and stuff like that, like that is a perfect person to kind of sniff out like, this is how this person is doing it. Well, no, because there was a lot of places that, um, and this is predominant. A lot of haunted places, haunted places that would put like speakers in the wall or have things staged. And you know, there are people like that. There, I do believe that real haunted places exist, but there has been a lot of fake. Really, just look at the spiritualism movement creation uh, with the Fox sisters. They came out to be a fraudulent and frauds. So. Yeah, it's really important to kind of decipher what's real, what's not. And those are some of the people that bring that forth, you know? Well, I think it can be encapsulated yeah. by somebody who, who came out with this axiom. Uh, it, it says, um, how does that go? Fantasy or is, uh, what is it? Fantasy is not, is, well, you know, they say truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. It's because truth is stranger, but not nearly so palatable as is fiction. You know, it doesn't taste as good. It doesn't sound as good as fiction. Not nearly so palatable yeah. as is fiction. Yeah, like because people Hale. want that. They want that excitement. They want that, even that hope. Mm-hmm. Because popular paranormal has become a quasi-religion. And much of that has to do with the advent of the series Ghost Hunters in 2004. Right. You know, and before that, scariest places on earth in England. And it's, it's because, you know, wanted to. Yeah, we don't need to go to church or, you know, for... And hope yeah. for a reaffirmation of faith. All we have to do is tune into the Sci-Fi Channel on Wednesday night. There it is. Ghost exists. <laughs> There's proof every week. That right there. We're seeing it right now. And these are our, our friends. Yes. These are you know these two you know blue collar friends. We we trust in their veracity. Of course, they wouldn't you know steer us wrong. Yeah. So then you've got this expose on television. You got proof. Every Wednesday night, and then of course it begats all the uh, the other series. Right, but by the way, um, Keith Johnson, Ghosts Are Near, has made an appearance in the chat. So hello, Keith. Keith, 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 on forth, come forth, Keith. And the two famous puns. So you invoked Keith. Yeah, <laughs> to, 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 to maybe get Keith on for a shameless plug. We're gonna plug. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna plug Keith for uh, Ghost Are Near. But Ghost Let's Are Near, Ghost Are Talk about Ghost Are Near, Ghost Are Near, and do a demonology. Um, but on uh, November twenty fourth, we're doing a. We don't know if it's we're gonna we might do a live, but also pre recorded uh, for two different. It's times. a collaboration between Keith's yeah. team, Ghost Are Near, and do a demonology. And we're going to tell, well, actually, it's called Conjuring the Truth. So we're going to tell the true story. But the two investigators that were, well, it was, of course, Donna, Donna as Donna, well. Case manager. And, uh, but the two investigators that are still involved with this in many different ways, um, telling the true accounts of the Conjuring story and how they got involved and what their interpretation of what was going on. Because there's been a lot of misleading things unfortunately, through pop culture. Misconception, misnomers, all kinds of stories. And it's actually mythology is growing up around that case. Yeah. So they, you know, so, yeah. Well, you guys were left out of the Conjuring movie, so. Yeah. So <laughs> it's actually kind of a good thing I was because I was, honestly, I was alerted in 2013. I was alerted that I was going to be portrayed Negatively. Yeah, in that, in that movie, The Conjuring, and the original, the working title of that film was The Warren's Files, Part One, but then then they changed it to The Conjuring. And I said, "Well, dude, nobody's contacted me. I mean, 
you know, who's going to play me? You know, they got Leonardo DiCaprio or, you know, <laughs> now, he's a little too old for me because I was uh, 17 at the time. They're going to have Danny DeVito play you. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I can twin, you know, yeah. like in brother, brother, brothers. Yeah. Get to the chopper, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> You're wild. No more chocolate. Sorry, sorry. No, no I, don't, I don't know who would portray me, but uh, the fact is I, w- I was in line to be not cast in the movie. They were going to have somebody play me. Yeah. But this was, I heard this was not going to be favorable. Mm. They, you know, that's an old saying that there's no such thing as bad publicity. This would have been bad from yeah. what I heard. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, whoa, I did what? And I who? And who? I mean, they even by inference, they could have changed, you know, a letter in my name and people would have known it was yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I went, to, I went to town on that. I had to. I sent out two writs of cease and desist. And, uh, you know, to block that, to make sure I wasn't, I mean, it sounds silly because, Hey, at least people, you know, name will be out there, but no, this, I would have spent the rest of my time lecturing, uh, saying about the paranormal, you know, and have two people in the audience, one of them being the custodian, you know, like, no, I didn't, that wasn't me. I, I didn't do it. Ah, he's denying it. So he must be guilty. Right. Uh, but, not, not, but you know, you have to lecture saying that how you guys were involved because you guys were admitted, which is terrible. It's, it's, terrible. Well, it's, it's an anecdote. Yeah. It's anecdotal. It's funny, you yeah. know, that I was going to be played playing a bad guy, yeah. you know, like, what? I, I, I didn't do it. No, <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so we'll be, but you would have been the one that conjured up Bathsheba, right? Yeah, I, I, I did the fast cheaper thing. That was yes, that was yeah. one error out of all the good I did. Yes. You know? Those people. So we have a bunch of questions from the chat. I do want to get to some of these. Uh, we'll start with. Uh, Sorry, Judy. Yeah, we've been rambling a little. No, bit. no, it's all good. So from Judy Wilson, how do you know you're dealing with a real demon and not just a spirit saying they are? Uh, that's. You want to start? Yeah, that's a that's a hard assessment. I think sometimes that assessment could take days could take months could take years depending on the person you're dealing with it's all really dependable on the individual you're dealing with i know carl and i specifically believe trauma has a lot to do with why a demon would be involved why that personality would be created or come forth but really truly what i've seen in my small amount of cases dealing with true demonic activity that has had you know a psychotherapist or psychologist or psychiatrist involved in some formula uh, due to assessment. It's mental health specialist. Mental health specialist, and uh, those have been documented by those kind of people in those cases that I could logically say this is what it was because nothing could correlate yeah. to the DSM five. But I think the biggest thing would be that was the feeling. Um, and yes, I know people believe uh, intuition uh, could be misleading. And I don't believe I'm clear sentient, clairvoyant. I don't believe I have any clear abilities like medium. I believe I'm uh, as close to a realist nowadays as possible as I could be. And whereas Lorraine Warren, I think her little name should have been Claire. She has so many Claire gifts. But. Uh, I think when you're dealing with the demon uh, specifically, because regardless of what people want to say, they have been part of uh, human culture, human religion um, for 4,000 plus years. You know, the Hinduistic religion, if you look at it, Hinduism, they God's fought demons in their scripture every day, basically. That's what gods did. They fought demons. And look at Shinto, which is another old religion, the Oni. Um, so you look at all these cultures. So 
I think that if you've ever heard about the literature of what de- you're dealing with a demon or you being in a presence, it's something that's known. It's something that's not, you know, right. not controlled by, by the human body, the human emotion. Right. It, that fight or flight and fright kicks in. And anytime I've dealt with a demon um, that has come into play, only five times out of 400 plus times, 15 years of doing this, but it was five times were uh, immeasurably different than any other case. That you know, the same with. number with me, with my experience. Yeah, but, yeah. but were those, but were you say those five cases were immeasurably different, like in feeling, emotion, control? Yeah, you, you do get a sense for it with yeah. time. And I think to, to you know, answer the question is, uh, time will bear it out. Yeah. If it's something malevolent and inhuman, you will know. You There is an initial feeling which is hard to describe without another, you know, 20,000 words. Mm. You kind of get a gut feeling that is something very very unwholesome if it's a human spirit you're not going to find a necessarily find a history of trauma emotional trauma unresolved conflict mm-hmm. in the subject or the family unit um if it's demonic there there is that there is that trait that's the criteria for demonic haunting in, in my experience mm-hmm. and the demon isn't just there it has to be invited somehow mm-hmm. and uh, the the demonic spirit seems stronger is able to move in you know in a physical sense as far as pk activity can move objects about it. One way I've defined demon before is a poltergeist with an attitude, you know, because they, they fling things around, the demon can do that for whatever purpose at the time. And the, the demon seems to evince an agenda, it has a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the human spirit will just show up at random. It's not persistent mm-hmm. and it's not consistent, you know, so you do tell. Also, if it's a human spirit, you can tell that spirit to leave. You can reason with it to some degree, and by whatever principle involved, usually the spirit will lessen in power or frequency and, mm-hmm. and just go away. If it's a demon, that's not going to work. Yeah. So it's kind of you have to be there and, as James was saying, assess it at, at the time and find out what the family or the subject's background is. Where did it start? How did this happen? And besides that, and Mike, I think you can bear this out, if you go into a house, uh, an abode, and you you feel like this weight in you, you know, you know it's something more powerful. Yeah. yeah, it's like almost like a change in the barometric pressure. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you kind of feel it. It's a physical sensation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you can certainly feel it's it. Sickening. It's sickening. Yeah, it's it's it's. Really yeah, you say I want to get out of here. I just don't feel right. Yeah. Well, uh, let me grab another question here from uh, Sarah. You said. Ten minutes to answer each one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It would take us a lot longer if we really got. And there's so many theories. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, their show tonight is three hours. So we, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to talk about it's four. No, not. <laughs> hey, it's Veterans Day tomorrow. We're both vets. There you go. Uh, from Sarah Youssef, have you thought about creating a more formalized methodology and how to deal with potential initial encounters of the paranormal for investigators or laypeople? Well, that's always evolving. Yes, we are. You know, something that you don't have to be a cleric or, you know, an, an experienced demonology to employ. Yeah, we, uh, and that's a very good point. It's something we are working on where you establish certain criteria to, first of all, indicate a demonic font and then how to address it and how to ward it, you know, like keep it at a distance, you know, something that, in fact, we could even write a, like a little paper on that yeah, and say, you know, like, this isn't the definitive work on demonology, you know, but this might help you mm. if you, and in fact, I touch on that, speaking of that you know, wording, in my book, 
Shadow Realms Demonology Handbook, you know, how you deal with something like that in the initial stages. If you're not necessarily recognized as a demonologist, but you just want to know, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> there I don't have to be around. And yeah, I got to behind this. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. But no, yeah, it is an autographed copy, isn't it? I hope. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Send her right there. Nice. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, my. You, got, you got more of a note than I did. I, ah. <laughs> I can always expand yours. Right my, my note's longer than yours. But no, yeah, definitely. I think we're, we, we are planning to. It's, of course, not something that we're going to rush. Uh, you know, it, it has to be kind of uh, intertwined. Uh, the challenge with that is you well, have to be valuable to a multitude of people who might want to use it. You know? But I think our concept is there is, you know, great handbooks. Of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley wrote Demon's Theme. Yeah. He was involved with that. And of course, there's uh, introduction, yes. the Dictionary of Demonology by Michelle Bellinger. But I think one day, Bellinger. Mm. Um, but Carl and I, uh, at one point, want to develop uh, a large compendium of uh, knowledge. And, and certainly, and this, the ones you mentioned, those titles yeah. you mentioned, will be our sources. Some, sources. some of our sources. But we want to be a, lar we want to be a larger. Uh, standpoint, you know, maybe something that's used in universities and yeah, like hit more of an audience or yeah. more, you know, more a resource yeah. to different venues. And that's just for paranormal people. It'd be it'd be a very well centered book for many different spectrums of things. Yeah, and of course, some people would say, "What is this book about?" What you know, because if if they're not interested in the topic or don't like the best the thing, subject, they have the best thing, like the best thing, but. Uh, and a lot of people forget what King James did for the, the English language. And I'm not saying we're going to change the English language. Well, because it was before the 19th century, so it can't possibly have any value, right? Yeah, but the thing is, I, I think yeah. our, 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 our standpoint would be to make the modern demonology, make the, the what King James's demonology was back in 1516 or 1500s. Because you've got to remember the King James Version of the Bible really helped develop English. Everybody, uh, a lot it of made people, it accessible to the people populace. Were, people were severely illiterate back then and uh, could not read, write, or even speak English to the full degree, even though I can't really. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but the same time, but that's, hey, you ruined me for a while. Uh, but at least I'm honest. But, the, but in that same token, though, is that. It really King James with the Bible helped develop. But one things one thing that people don't forget about King James and demonology and the Bible, demonology specifically um, inspired William Shakespeare to write Macbeth. And people tend to forget that. So we want to write a book that hopefully will inspire people in a different light as well, just like how it inspired William Shakespeare to change literature in many forms of fashion. So that's what our goal is. Mm inspire and to change and uh one day we'll have a book out that'll be a big compendium of uh certain things it'll be a reference source yeah, yeah. yeah as is my book intended to be a reference you know like pick yeah. it up you might you know this is what this guy carl encountered and how he dealt with it some things he felt he could have done better but this worked for him and you know see what works for you in, in a certain situation so that's what our book will be just expansive on that theme you know how to do that how to hook the audience right Oh, graphic, I mean, graphic novel. That's what I'm saying. Graphic novel. Graphic novel. Uh, the origins of duo. Demonology. Yeah. Why do we call it duo? Where's that? 
come from? Well, King James parlance of de- demonology, which was the first in, uh, original usage of demonology. Not uh, referring more to the duo. Well, uh, two. There's two yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah, I never like, like yeah. dynamic right. duo. Two demonologists, two demonologists. Now it makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, you could create a whole canon and backstory. You know, grew up somewhere. I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> Raised by wolves. You know. Yeah. Raised by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> it's my calling. Yeah. Like a throw. Like a throw. Like a power goal. There you go. Be. Yeah, I've written a little bit of like lycanthropy. Yeah. <laughs> Sick making word though. Like a throw. No, but uh, All right. this place, this we'll be like the Malathites. We'll be we'll be hunting witches next, like old demonologists used to do. Well, can be, we, we certainly have our Van Helsing aspect to us. You know? Just true, we you do. Witches. We love witches, people. We love them. How many of you loved? Oh gosh, I don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me grab another one of these questions, and I'm going to toss it back to uh, Victoria. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in the graphic novel. You're still in the graphic I'm novel. Seeing, I'm right. seeing it. So, trademark it tonight. Trademark it tonight. There you go. Yeah. As soon as I get off this. <laughs> so, from Alina, do you guys think someone has to be empathic or an empath to see energies? Well, empaths feel uh, emotion in some form of fashion, but um, to see energy, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those uh, concepts and titles. Like, I think everybody has a sixth sense. And I think it's, uh, if you believe that if we, everybody has the five senses, right? Unless there's a, a deformity or an ailment that changes that, but we are all naturally meant to have the five senses. So why wouldn't everybody have the sixth sense if it existed? You know, there are uh, a lot of research on the pineal gland throughout time with now releases melatonin, uh, which helps you go to sleep, puts you in a relaxed state. Um, but we still don't understand what the pineal gland does, which has been always a hint. This is what the third eye. So if everybody has the pineal gland, then I think everybody has the ability to feel, maybe see, if it's just how you become attuned yeah. to it, how you come across to it. You know, um, empathy connotes having a uh, yeah. sympathy for someone else's feelings that you can draw on them. You can combine, you can actually be at one with that person and sense what they are feeling. Yeah. Lack of empathy, of course, is sociopathy, you know. Yeah, and, you can't uh, see if you don't, some people don't have that. But I, I think people do have an inability to sense energies and see them. I have seen them, but I, I don't seem to be able to do that by volition. I can't. I want to sense the energy in this room. It's yeah. just suddenly it's there. It's hitting me. It's like, whoa, I can see this. Holy hands. Yeah, holy hold, hold, hold hands to the Lord. And it, it, the energy looks almost like uh, the light distortion when heat yeah. comes off a surface into cooler atmosphere. I see that, and it's a cloudy thing, and I realize it's nothing to do with dew or evaporation or anything like that or uh, you know, light misdirection. It's just it actually sometimes I do see that. Mm. I see the energy in the room. I just don't know how to activate that switch mm. and do it at will. Yeah, see, I've, I've come to a tune of feeling like I don't go and say, I see 10 people in here. And, but like, I, I, I've come to know where, like at home, my homestead, like I know the comfortability of it. I know if there's something off, you know, I, I feel that if I go to somebody else's house, I can feel like, okay, they, they're, this is a little bit different. It's, it's the mentality. If I, I use this analogy, like, uh, if you go to work every day and it's a negative environment, you don't want to go there and every time you go there it's going to be draining and it's going to be negative it's going to bring you down 
So you have the ability to feel that over time because you've, you've, you've come developed to having that same pattern every day. So if I have a comfortability here and then I go into somebody else's house and I feel like red alert goes off, like that's intuition. That's, that's feeling, yeah. that's understanding. Well, you've got to rely on intuition yeah. to a degree as you've owned yeah. that yeah. and recognize it better. But it comes, you know, it's developed, you know, it's not like I had that ability when I first got involved, but I think everybody, you know, oh, you, you get the goosebumps. People, you know, sometimes that is because of static electricity and your body adapting to temperature. But sometimes it could be a, a nature of maybe something that is trying to, or is in the realm of your possibility of trying to communicate to you because your body's reacting to that. You see, in our biological field, we're yeah. biological units, we're biological yeah. beings, so we adapt yeah, and we sense and perhaps those on the other side have that ability definitely. and they feel and they sense so we're going to pick up on some of their feelings yeah. the fact I'm going to bring up about the Neanderthals my favorite people mm. um, I, I like the Benisovan we were talking about that Mike yeah. we like the Neanderthals yeah yeah we like the Benisovan guy I like the Benisovan the there you go yeah, I like well, that's, <laughs> your, that's your <laughs> camp you know you like, they, you know, they all intermingled yeah. anyway so you know they, 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 yeah. they didn't make Superhumans, man. Superhumans. Well, by our standards, they kind of work. And I think the Neanderthals, they certainly had speech, but you know, for different reasons. We we know that. Um, oh, yeah. But probably a limited speech. They probably had problems with their vowels that we call the open sounds. Uh, so they didn't have an advanced speech. I don't think they could have. But they had something unique. They had psychic ability. Probably. And this is uh, suggested by the fact that on the whole, you know, talking about cubic centimeters, the Neanderthals had larger brain capacity than we do. They had bigger brains. They were certainly intelligent and creative oh, yeah. uh, where they needed to be. And they even had a little bit of culture. There was a Neanderthal flute musical instrument was discovered. Um, but where their brain capacity was, they had a swelling in the Mons area. Their heads were bigger in the back, a kind of football shape their skulls mm -hmm. are therefore their brains, and they probably had some like uh, an intuition to the 10th power that they could sense if something or someone was behind them, whereas normally our, our modern culture, Definitely. modern homo sapiens would not. Yeah. By the way, we are classified, we have classified our own species. Homo, homo sapiens. No, homo sapiens sapiens, which homo. means man's, man wise wise. So we're really right up there. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Neanderthals, you know, um, Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, you know, so they're a little demoted. Yeah. You know. Well, since you guys are talking about ancient history here. I think I've said all I can about the Neanderthals. <laughs> uh, there is a question here from N.A. Uh, that was put in a little while ago. Um, do you believe the Book of Enoch is true? Uh, is there any cult? Is there any occult text on demons slash fallen angels that you question the validity on? Mm -hmm. Before getting into the 20,000 words, I'll start by saying, yes, I do, <laughs> if James wants to. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I think it uh, depends on, of course, what part of Christianity you're from. Like, if you're a Catholic and they have a, uh, you have the Apocrypha, which is like Book of Enoch and certain other books that yeah, are... The Apocrypha that was yeah. excluded from the canonic Bibles. Yeah, so you have, like, 65 books, I believe, within the Catholic uh, uh, ideologies, and they're there, which is... Uh, I hate to say it for some people with this group, but Catholic Church was the very first church, uh, you know, the universal church, it means. But, of course, you look at the Christian uh, uh, Baptists and uh, Lutherans, they have 35 books, I do believe. Um, and that 
a lot uh, knocks a lot of actually I think it depends on the denomination. Well, yeah, the denomination. The Lutheran, but some sects. some Christians will believe in the Book of Enoch, so it's really dependable on what you believe. But I'm not necessarily against it. I think it's interesting, like uh, Metatron and stuff like that. That's all interesting to me. Uh, the story of Lilith is interesting mm-hmm. interesting to me it gives a lot of origins yeah. this apocrypha yeah. you know that you don't find in the more canonic structure of yeah. the bible yeah. um yeah well out of all the apocrypha the books that were just excluded i won't say thrown out but excluded from the bible books. you know other sects and other denominations yeah. uh, incorporated the book of enoch seems to have drawn a lot of interest and there are i believe three books of enoch encapsulated into the one book of enoch but what's so fascinating about it, even by our standards now, is that it speaks of wheels in the sky, or a wheel in the sky, and it talks about, and describes in such detail, it seems to be a spacecraft coming down to the, you know, the, the father, Enoch. And, uh, and it's just, it, it stands out. That's why it wasn't included in the you know, regular text of the Bible, because it talks about these beings that come down and the watchers, they come down to instruct humans, and some of them are errant, and they they copulate with uh, human females. And this, these angels don't do that. Celestial beings don't do that. They're, you know, they're sexless. They they're not well, yeah, interested by deer and stuff. And that begat a race of giants. Now that becomes yeah. very fascinating. And of course, Eric von Donegan, you know, uh, you know, postulated on what that could mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do believe that it is based on eyewitness testimony, and it became legend, of course. Yeah. But there is such detail in this, and it's, there's such a consistency in it, and the structure of these beings, like Azazel, the chief angel, who is you know presides over these extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial beings, you know, and they, they actually take such an interest in humans as mm-hmm. they did. It seems like we're an experiment to them, or, yeah. you know, maybe not an experiment, they, but they are assigned to us. And this is just, it doesn't jive with the rest of the, the canonic Bible. Yeah, I think I think also, too, if you look at the history, um, you know, of course, and I don't say this to, 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 to disprove anybody, I am a deacon of the Catholic Church, so I've got to hold steed on what I have to say here, but um, in that same form of fashion, you know, there are... Uh, numerical uh, inaccuracies to the, the Bible uh, ley lines of when it happened. And you can look yeah, at the like, chronology, the chronology is normally yeah. accepted. And you could look at like maybe giants, like the Nephilim, like Goliath was supposed to be a descendant of, of, of such, th- you know, of the Nephilim. He was a giant. He was like seven foot what? Eight foot tall. Seven Goliath foot tall. was nine feet tall. Nine foot tall. Yeah. So he he, he is so gigantic. people thought he and he, supposedly in some lore he has a double yeah. row of teeth. Yeah. So people took him to be a nephilim. But in that same token, though, if you really take anthropology and you look at a lot of that study, there is a possibility that that could have been uh, back in time more, and he could have been a Denisovan. You know, there is because they were giants from Siberia. Well, of course, all this is very you know, know they could have been very interbreeding. They could have been interbreeding that in that form of fashion. Yeah. However, yeah. why are graves of Titanic human beings uncovered? Uh, maybe I won't say regularly, but enough. Oh yeah. Enough to substantiate it that these people and when I say giants. I mean, are these great people were dwarfs back then? Not really accurate, but these people, uh, these they're quite guys, tall. They're, they're like quite five tall. foot five, right? So five foot five is the average. Five about five it. it depends on the area. Yeah. They've always been tall people, you know, in the Scandinavian regions yeah. and all. But 
Uh, these graves that I'm speaking about were under yes. in what's now North and South America, and through you know many European regions, and they are t they are eight feet tall. Yeah, sometimes eight eight yeah. nine feet tall, and that's just ain't a normal person unless you know it's like glandular yeah. anomaly. But but they are structured. They're put together. They're like yeah. normal skeletons except incredibly robust and yeah. large yeah there's uh was i forget somewhere in europe there's uh it's carved inside of a mountain but everything is so, like developed for like giant people that have lived there i forget the name of it but it's a recent discovery and like it, it's it's in the it's in like the, it's like inside of a cliff or mountain it's yeah crazy but like stuff like and that. what's its purpose you know like, like, also right. talking about like uh nathanerals and stuff like that is um is they, they just found a temple that's ten thousand years old a temple that was like now 10,000 years ago basically human society was mud hull, mud hull culture culture yeah mud hut culture yeah. is supposed to be but you to know, find like a temple a, though you to know? find an actual temple yeah, a crazy. place of worship from 10,000 years yeah. ago and some some of these structures are from 12,000 yeah. you know which would be 10,000 BC yeah. uh yeah, it seems like we keep finding things that are older and yeah, older and older. Not, uh, yeah, they don't jive. Yeah, like the, like you know. the, the Minotonians, right? what are the, what are the Minoans? Minoans, sorry, yeah, Minoan. But the Minoans, like they had plumbing. It's okay, I had trouble with mud hut culture. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> but like, but like in Greece at that time, like not to get off track, but in Greece at that time, that. they had mud huts. Yeah. But uh, the the Minoans had plumbing, heated floors. They had mansions like with twelve rooms, like at that same time period. It's just crazy. Like we have yeah. uh, uh, a misunderstanding where because we don't. We, know. I think we underestimate <laughs> the ancients. The we we, we do. Oh yeah. yeah. Back then, so they don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have about I don't five know minutes. What, what that means, but it's kind of amusing. <laughs> well, it, well, now nowadays, you know, we have everything at the the. At the it, just because they didn't have phones or computers didn't doesn't mean they didn't yeah. have a higher type of technology. Yeah, it, hey. It's something with that got lost over time. Yeah, like how did they build some of these massive structures <laughs> that we can't even do today? So. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, so, so we only have about five minutes left in the show. Um, oh, take this. I lied when I said three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take this one from Joy. Um, she wants to know, or she says, I'd love to hear a story about one of their recent spirit and or demon encounters. Ooh, uh, we went to Oliver House two months ago, and uh, I saw a ghost. I was telling Elise and James that, you know, I see, I, I've seen a ghost seven times that I can recall that was definite. I saw it. And I may never see one again. I would love you guys to have the experience. We're in the Oliver House. We were down in the basement. We had a wonderful guide. And she told us, and it was in a side note, it is thought that somebody was buried under the dirt floor of that basement because she found phalanges, finger bones down there, Ooh. which, you know, the state police confiscated the forensics and not giving them back. Um, so she's telling us about that. And I saw something to my right. This isn't demonic, I don't think, but I saw something. As soon as she married, mentioned that, they think a woman is buried there, uh, parts of her anyway. I saw something bright and purple to my right. I thought it was some kind of, uh, you know, maybe um, something electronic, a panel, something. So I, that I hadn't noticed, and it lit up, it was bright purple. I looked, and it kind of unfolded like a scroll, and there was a woman's face in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it was a woman's face. It had, like, black hair seemed to be on top. It was just this image, and then it folded up again. And it's like, I saw this. Yeah. 
I saw, I was, so I, unfortunately, in a sense, I was the only one to behold that, but I, I, it didn't move with my eyes. I turned and looked at it, yeah. you know? As far as anything more sinister, it's been some years, yeah. except we are called in. Yeah, we keep you con consult us. They may be in the Midwest or further away, yeah. you know, but uh, we do get calls. Oklahoma, you know. Oklahoma was probably <laughs> the most recent, you know, yeah. Bonafide demonic case that I had it was actually spiritual oppression leading to uh, possession, mm. you know, temporal possession. And of course, Mike and I worked on that case together. And, uh, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago, September. yeah. As of September it's yeah, probably, in Oklahoma. It's probably been probably four or five years, maybe, since I've dealt with a demonic case. Uh, maybe a little less than that. But uh, as far as spirit, I really haven't had many things that have gone astray. I would say the coolest thing, we, we just did an event on USS Salem for um, hunting the sea witch. Uh, that that, yeah, that was borderline. And uh, we profession. Performed, we've been, we've been for, well, not even just that, but we've been performing experiments because I think a lot of things that we have, uh, people have uh, taken away from is doing experiments. Uh, we're going to be involved in a modern day Philip experiment coming up soon with uh, Tim Shaw. But Carl and I and mm. Tim and a few other people, but we were, we did uh, a grand seance with, uh, you know, uh, modern day equipment as well to document, to document. And uh, one of the coolest things I didn't see your spirit, nothing attacked us. There was some form of channeling and uh, somebody going into trance, which, yeah, and, you know, of course you have to be uh, noted on what's occurring there subjective but all of a sudden we're having a shit mind you we hear these old time tunes playing this is true this and, like yeah. spectral like there was did we like it could there was no way it could have been a car because the if you've ever been to the USS the acoustics just wouldn't allow for that, it, but, that just, yeah. but uh this old time well, I would say 30s, it 40s. It was all music. time kind of like lounge music. Lounge you know, music. Like, Interesting. Slow dance. But no, we all Everybody heard it, heard it in the same time. Not to determine the source of no. that. And it was only after we were asking the spirit to come forth and come reveal itself. So that was cool. That was a spectral sound that I do believe was spectral because even the even the uh, person that runs the paranormal tours said that there is no way that... And he showed us how it could be And he was, a, he, was a, he was a master chief in the Navy. Yeah. So, like, he went to BS us. So that was uh, Gangbusters, folks. That was that was good. But, yeah, spectral music probably the most interesting. Which we had not anticipated. And that was, like, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. So one of the things that you guys... Um, kind of said here was that you know carl's been 10 years for you james been uh, four or five years for you since a demonic case um you know a lot of people especially since you know with television the movies think that these demonic cases happen all the time and just you know you guys are demonologists you work with this um you know with this subject matter all the time but yet the cases themselves are a lot more rare than what people think yeah, they are, uh, because it is so easy to jump to the, you know, people understand, they have, feel they have an understanding of demon, and it's just, you know, that's what gets the press, that's what gets the attention. But as far as actually encountering them, it, it's pretty rare, Definitely. you know. There's usually another explanation, but this uh, this had enough paranormal manifestation to categorize it as demonic. Though what you and I were on, like... Yeah, yeah, that one for sure. Yeah, it's, it's There's, you know... People, like we said uh, before, not to beat the dead horse on it, but yeah, it's very rare. You know, it's not always uh, dealt with, and there's a lot of misconceptions and things that are very similar, but 
Um, sometimes it's just a form of communication, but we enact on it in a negative light because we don't know how to understand it. It's not known. It's unseeable. So we jump to the conclusion that it's evil. Because it's easy to. It's, easy you know, to it's understandable that people do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's formidable. It's you know you can't understand it initially, yeah. and uh, may never grasp a full understanding of it. So that's scary. It's spooky. Yeah, spooky. yeah. 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 People and people fear what they don't understand. Uh, one last thing before we wrap it up. Uh, Alina wants to know what the green drink is behind Carl. That is, that, is the great, that is the greatest thing that we that we have. We, every radio show day that we have, we, we dinner together. This has become a tradition, and we have chocolates. We have we have to have. We're not sponsored by Hershey, by the way. So we eat this for every show, and uh, we consume copious amounts of chocolates. And this is a pineapple flavored soda. Yes. Oh, okay. It's in a blue glass, so it turns it green. And it is soda. I don't drink it, so it's just soda. But he drinks this, yeah. And, uh, yeah, this we, this gets us through. Gives us uh, our powers. Right. Our powers of discernment come from the our time. <laughs> Are you going to put that in the graphic novel, too? Because that would be really cool. It's yeah. calling me out. Half and shadow. Yeah, like Deadpool yeah. with Jimmy Chandas for Carl and James, the duo. It's pineapple juice. And uh, um, Hershey, uh, Hershey, although the late, the late and beautiful Lorraine Warren said that uh, if you have a lot of psychic impression, you're very receptive and it's interfering with your life. The way to tone it down is to eat avocados. Yeah. So and, oh, all right. And for, for an investigator, this is a, 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 a this is from the demonologist. James and Carl, if you are tied after paranormal investigation, oh, yeah. eat some chocolate because they're dark chocolate. endorphins. Yeah. This will hone your psychic ability. Yes. Yeah. It, Absolutely. It's really true because people don't believe me, but I tell them that all the time, and it's how you get rid of the ghost hangover. That's what I yeah, call it. Yeah, it, it is <laughs> absolutely true. Yep. Yeah. It works for a lot of things, chocolate. So did Plus you find means of contact? How yes. do you uh, get best get in touch with us? Yes, absolutely. So uh, tell everybody a little bit about your show, and then, yeah, how to best get in touch with you. We do when we're able to engineer it because we have other things in other enterprises. It's basically a weekly podcast, Duo Demonology. Uh, we try to do that for Thursday evenings, and uh, we always have our you know means of contact that we display that. Here we are. We have a website. Uh, believe it or not, we were lucky to obtain the domain for demonology. So it's www.demonology, spelled the traditional way, L-Y, .org. So demonology.org, you'll find us. Yeah. And I'm still on that Facebook thing, so you can find, you know, Carl yeah. L. Johnson there and Panorama Paranormal through Thank Facebook. Yeah, James got rid of Facebook. I did. Did, did. I'd like to think that's one of our experiments, <laughs> but we'll see. You know, it could be for a while. It'd be forever. It's deleted, so it can't come back. You can, so you can always set up for a new account. That, that account. <laughs> the temptation will ever be there. That's for the week. Yeah. And of course, there's Carl's book, Shadow yeah. Realms Demonology Handbook. Great book. Yeah, that's through of course, Amazon. You can always yes. find me through that, you know, means of contact. You know, but, you know, one way it leads to another. If you contact de- demonology.org, you can get my email address and, you know, every means of contact. Yeah. You know. It's then, the most easiest. And we'll talk more about Panorama Paranormal when we come back. You know. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, maybe Elise can be your special guest and I'll turn her loose there. <laughs> there you go. I'll have to do that one of these times. So. Yeah, she blows out the candles on the cake and spoils the park. 
No, she <laughs> she really just helps people, you know, like get a focus. And before a paranormal investigation, at least performs a grounding to get everybody centered and focused on a purpose and to release tension, remove yourself from the outside world, and you know, focus on your intent of the evening. So that's that's always valuable. Mm. All right. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I always enjoy having you both. Oh, and um, yeah, enjoy your holiday season because you know, now we're getting into that latter part of the year. So, yeah. And Mike, the next time you take a wrong turn to Schenectady, come back to Rhode Island. We'll have Absolutely. Yes. And we'll make more shepherd's pie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the shepherd's pie was great. I, I genuinely miss you since your visitation. Yes. I miss you guys too. Yeah, we had a great time out there. So we, we definitely need to do it more often. Yeah, we'll have to hang out too, Victoria. Hopefully, we'll yes. Yes. Well. Come down to Texas. I love Texas. <laughs> it's hot down here. Come on. Whataburger. Yeah, if you feed me Whataburger, I'll come down. <gasps> oh, Whataburger's just down the road. I mean. <laughs> oh, no. I'm coming. Okay. Uh, all right, guys. You have a great night. Great to see you all. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.